Hello, everybody, and welcome to Letterboxd. Book, Letterboxd. <laughs> I'm get. starting that's, again. It's instant karma. <laughs> We're trying to be a smartass. Uh, bingo, bingo. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Letterboxd Book Club. I am Claire. And my name is Mackenzie. <laughs> and today we will be discussing the TikTok sensation and the number one Sunday Times bestseller, Divine Rivals. By Rebecca Ross. Which I keep getting confused with Rebecca Yaros. I had to triple check just to make sure. Although I must mm. say, 2024 is going to be the year of the Rebeccas, by the sounds mm-hmm. of it. Every time I saw, I was reading about the book and I saw Rebecca Ross, I was thinking to myself, why is that name so familiar? Yes. But it's because I keep seeing Rebecca Yaros everywhere. Just drop the ya and there it is. Yes. <laughs> All right. And for the first time in a long time, I actually have a physical copy of the book. Thank you, Claire. No worries. So I will read the blurb. A proper blurb. Yeah, the first proper blurb in forever. Yes. I'll, wear, I'll read the little thing on the front as well because that's cute. You have full creative license and liberty to do whatever you want, Kenzie. Are we choking as well? No, I had some burp stuck in my chest. <laughs> I was a little bit gassy. <laughs> no God, no war, no one can come between them. All right. When two rival journalists find love through a magical connection, their fate depends on their facing the depths of hell, together. After centuries of sleep, the gods are warring again. Expelled into the middle of a mystical war, magical typewriters in tow, can Iris Winnow and Roman Kit's unlikely bond withstand the fight for the fate of mankind and, most importantly, love? Oh, that was it. That was so short. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) I didn't know if I should read the, like... Sunday Times bestseller Rebecca Ross begins a sparkling new duology with divine rivals, an epic enemies-to-lovers fantasy fantasy novel filled with hope and heartbreak and the unparalleled power of love. (laughs) (laughs) First you bamboozle me with the intro. I'm happy to go first. No, no, I'm happy to go first. All right, all right, go first, go first. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I love this. And it... And everyone else in between. Once again, I've read a book in 2024 that I have zero qualms with. <laughs> zero qualms. Five stars. 5,000 stars all the way. All right. First off, I must throw myself under the bus. Ooh. Because when I... Okay. First of all, actually, no. First of all, I'd seen this title floating around the bookosphere uh, over the TikToks and the Instagrams and everything. And I saw... It was a bookstore uh, TikTok account, and I think it was America anyway, and they went and asked someone, what book do you recommend, blah, 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 like, what's your favourite read? And it was an older woman, <laughs> and she recommended Divine Rivals, but she just said, you know, World War One vibes, typewriters, letters, and so we also know that I notoriously do not read blurbs, mm-hmm. so I didn't know... <laughs> that this was about gods and magic (laughs) so you should have seen my face (laughs) when i got bamboozled (laughs) by the magic and the gods i'll continue (laughs) yeah it's okay that was funny you were messaging me a little sip (laughs) (laughs) hang on a little asmr i personally could not hear it but um it showed up on my like on my waves your wave yep i'll gladly for it when i'm in it (laughs) thank you I loved this book. I think it's so fluffy, but a little bit serious, and it's super cute, and the love is so innocent and sort of slow burn, but at a uh, slow burn, but at an acceptable pace for me. (laughs) And then also just the addition of magic as well really gets me jiving um, and jazzed. jazzed. I was jazzed. and jazzed we all know how we feel about gods at this point but you know what that's fine i can ignore it it's fine whatever magical typewriters i love typewriters i love writing letters just like the aesthetic jam yeah the aesthetic oh i love unrequited love oh a sacrifice this is a found family this book is amazing i will sing sing its praises till the end of my days yeah you are very enthusiastic about it already are you done i'm done all right, my thoughts, feelings, and emotions. I loved this book as well. I was enthralled. I was captured into the story. I loved the magic system and, like, the god story and, like, their conflict isn't as overwhelming as other big fantasy books. I do like that this sort of, I don't know what era you would call it, 
I'm getting like 1930s vibes, but if it's World War One, then it's obviously like 1918. Well, yeah, I'm getting like World vibes. War One vibes because um, trenches. Yeah, that, oh, well, that's very fair, but I'm sure there are trenches yeah. and other wars too. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, getting that vibe, just the relationship as well. Yes, appropriately paced, I would say. Mm. Yeah, I just really enjoyed a different take on on magic, and it's not about and these people. Like, the humans don't have magic, as far as we're aware. And I just love that little switcheroo, because in every sort of fantasy series, everyone is magical in some capacity, and it's hard to keep up with, or it's hard to see how it can balance out, etc. But yeah. no, I really enjoyed it. I only have one qualm, though, but it's like just it's just a me thing, I think. I'll just reveal it really quickly. I just don't like when... I don't know, when there's, like, a communications between... I'll use obviously Iris and Roman as the example where, you know, Iris doesn't know who she's talking to, but then Roman knows who he's talking to and he like holds on to this. I just don't like that. It's always the man that always figures (laughs) figures out early that it's our female protagonist. And I don't know, that just annoys me. I'm like, why can't she just, or why can't we just figure it out as we go along, have it actually two separate entities. But anyway, no, loved it. Very easy. Like it's an easy follow following along the story. And, um, yeah, very interesting. Some may say it's a bit predictable, but I just think it was just well built up. It's it's not meant to super surprise you. I'm sure yeah. Rebecca is not meant to try and outsmart us in any way. It's just a lovely story. Yeah, I don't think it's meant to be super serious, you know? <laughs> no. no. And I love the incorporation of the letter writing to each other as a tool to develop their relationship, much like mm-hmm. a song is in a musical to progress the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed every aspect of it. And that's it. Let us begin with Iris, our female protagonist, if we will. Uh, Iris is a 19-year-old girl. She, uh, the war is imminent. Her brother, her older brother, Forrest, has enlisted. He goes off to war. She doesn't hear from him for a very long time. Her mother falls into alcoholism, depression, blah, 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 all of the things. Iris drops out of school, goes and works for one of the newspapers in Oath. Um, she goes and works for the Oath Gazette. Then her rival, the male protagonist, Roman Kit, Roman C. Kit, (laughs) Roman condescending Kit, Roman convoluted Kit, uh, is, I think, I don't, I think he's 21? He's 19. Oh, he's 19 as well? Yeah. I think she's 18, he's 19. Oh, one of them was 19. Anyway, uh, he works at the Oath Gazette as well. He comes uh, oh, and Iris comes from very uh, lower class family. Roman comes from very upper class. He had a sister. She died. It wasn't his fault, but they were swimming uh, and he fell asleep and she dreamt. So take that for what you will. It was, was his fault. How dare he, little asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, his father is trying to arrange a marriage with him um, and one of his friend's daughters and they both obviously are in love with other people. So... We, uh, Iris has a typewriter. She's typing these letters to her brother, blah, 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 blah. She types a letter, slips it into her wardrobe, and then it goes away. And she just hasn't heard from Forrest in a long time, and then finally she receives a letter back in her wardrobe that says, this isn't Forrest. And for the longest time, she thought it was a magical wardrobe. (laughs) Yes, taking her letters to Forrest. (laughs) Yep, yep. And he was just seemingly unable to respond. But... Roman also has a typewriter. We find out that there are three typewriters. They are Alouette typewriters because they were made for someone Alouette. It was her and her two friends so that they could always communicate because whoever Alouette, um, I can't remember her first name, she got sick and she wasn't able to go and visit her friends, but this was a way that they all could keep in touch. So there was Alouette and then her friend was, one of her friends was Roman's grandmother and then another one of her friends was Iris's grandmother, so they have both inherited the enchanted typewriters. Iris and Roman are both in competition to win a columnist uh, role at the Oath Gazette, which is a very coveted role. I'm sure it pays more, whatever. Sure, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, there are little hints as well, like we don't fully kind of get Iris's situation until a little bit in, but there are little hints, you know, um, her friend will ask her if she wants to go to lunch and she says, you know, I'm not hungry, blah, blah, blah. Or she wears her mother's boots that are slightly too small yeah, for her. Too yeah, small. So she gets blisters and it's Julpov. Third person but Julpov. I was just going to correct you, but then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. 
third person dual pop. And then, yeah, Roman sometimes notices, oh, it looks like she has a little bit of a limp today. I wonder why. Or, oh, it seems as if she didn't catch the tram and that she must have walked to work. So, Or she's late constantly for some reason. Like, Yeah. Yeah, their the stories are very similar in that both they're navigating their own, uh, like, grievances and their own personal situations and stuff. So, so they are writing to each other. Obviously, they don't know who... Well, Roman knows that it's Iris. He has figured it out from just things that she said about her brother enlisting in war and things like that. I think he just recognises how she writes as well because I think he even said to her face as, like, a lie that he's never read anything of hers, but in secret he has read everything of hers. Yeah, he has read every single letter and every single article that she has written as well. Also, at the Oath Gazette, Iris is sort of just stuck on the obituaries... um, just typing them up instead of actual articles while they're in this competition from their boss, Zeb Autry, um, to become columnist. However, Iris uh, implies as well to Roman that he will get it because his father will just pay for him to get the role. Yeah, yeah it's it's, weird. it's funny. It's like a double-edged sword sort of narrative because, yes, I keep, want to call, keep wanting to call him Kit and I know his first name is Roman. <laughs> Uh, Roman. They refer to each other by their last name. So if we say Kit or if we say Winnow, then. That also annoyed me so much. I just, I'm sick of everyone using the last name nicknames. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't have this re- that rapport with these characters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, Roman comes from, you know, a line of high society, upper class prestige. And of course, there is that presumption mm. that daddy will buy his son's way into all these positions. Mm. Whereas in the opposite effect, Roman implied that Iris is only being considered out of pity because of, yeah, she lives in a more impoverished kind of state, Mm. low-class state, and, um, yeah, and he indirectly claimed that was the case in front of her and she got really upset with that, which was Mm. fair enough. But, yeah, they both have their own ideas about each other and kind of who deserves this role more. But, yeah, ultimately it just comes down to the writing style and who has uh, what it takes, I guess. So uh, Roman's father arranges this marriage for him um, with this other girl. Um, And then from that point on, he is being watched by his father because Roman's like, I don't want to marry her. This is only for you. Uh, Her father. Oh, and also we haven't even spoken about the gods yet. That's all right. I was waiting for that. It's okay. The gods that are warring are Enver and Dacre. And so there are obviously Dacre sympathizers and Enver sympathizers. Enver is kind of like a goddess of like music and love and light and blah blah blah. So music is kind of frowned upon, and Dacre is it's a like man. A, it's it's weird. Patriarchy. No, he, he, <laughs> he's described as like a, an underling god, mm. but he is also affiliated with like fertility and healing. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting this god setup because it's really giving kind of like our own religious take on god like a god above and a god below like you'll go either way when you die etc so it gave me really that sort of vibe yeah and yeah he can heal so and that comes into play later on yeah yeah and i loved with the gods now that we're we're talking about them (laughs) their conflict has got very simplified which is excellent Mm. because oftentimes in these big fantasy books you have authors trying to dish out hundreds or thousands of years of history and war and conflict between 20 different gods Mm. and all that type of stuff and it's just far too much but I loved how Rebecca just simpled it down made it so far about these two main gods Enver and Dacre and then you know what happened to lead to this to lead to the situation that or to lead to this war that's happening right now Mm -hmm. yeah it's great it's simplified easy to follow along and then it makes you think well how can people be like a Dacre sympathizer considering he, in a way, instigated all of this? But then it goes to show that, um, or Rebecca highlighted in this book as well, just the years of like how myths or stories mm. are being passed down and details either omitted or just long forgotten and people know yeah. different things or, or have compl- the completely right or wrong information about each god. Mm. And yeah, it's just really interesting how it's all like simplified and easy to follow mm. along. So, yeah, which leads me back to this arranged marriage. Um, the daughter's father and that entire family are Dacre sympathizers. It is, it's not uh, explicitly said to us, but it is heavily implied. And the daughter's father is a scientist or whatever, and they're delivering these boxes of silver. Canisters. Canisters. 
and Roman assumes that they're bombs, but they come into play later on, which I also figured that they were going to be gas bombs. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, this actually does make it more World War One. I. I sound so stupid. <laughs> it's giving me nineteen thirties vibes. Now it's World War One. Fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, it's alright. So Iris's mother dies. Shock horror. Whatever. She's a drunk. Yeah, hits by a tram. What a way to go. Plot device though. Yes. Yeah, uh, manic pixie dream mum, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Gives Yaris. Yaris. <laughs> Iris, <laughs> nothing else to to really no reason to really be in Oath and no. Purpose. Oh, and also whilst sorry, this war is going on, it hasn't hit Oath yet, um, and but there's a, a chancellor of the city, and he's kind of on that cusp of kind of monitoring and banning and redacting what articles are being put out against the war, um, well, and about the war. So the Oath Gazette is kind of like skirting around what's actually happening, and then there's another establishment paper establishment called the ink written tribune tribune um and they are putting out uh accurate articles and what's actually happening and they're sending people to the front so iris's mother dies she doesn't tell anyone so she's late to work a few times and then her boss is like what the fuck is going on and iris just secretly types up an obituary for her mother and then that goes in the paper and roman reads it and so they're called into the office or whatever and He's like, Roman, you get columnist because Iris, where the fuck have you been? What is going on with you? Roman goes, yo, we need another chance because Iris's mother died. And Zeb Ultra is like, oh, you should have taken time off, blah, blah, blah. But she's like, I don't want your sympathy. Whatever. I'm over it. It's fine. And she goes, you know what? I don't want another chance. I quit. <laughs> I love that. Just the on the spot. I've got nothing yeah. else to live for here anymore. Yeah. Um, and while at the same time, the Ink Ridden Tribune is wanting to hire war correspondent reporters yeah, as well. Yeah, to go to the front, yeah. She wants to write articles about things that matter and she believes yeah. this war matters and because they've also heard soldiers have been going missing and she's also aware that her brother has not made correspondence with her, like this is what matters to her in this moment and she is going to go and chase this story. So she goes to the Ink Ridden Tribune. Um, she goes in, she's like, I'm here to apply for the job of correspondent. Uh, Helena says why do you want to go and she says her brother's at war and Helena's like that's not a good enough reason and then she goes into the I want to write what matters I want to make a difference blah blah, blah. Helena goes okay take your typewriter here's a jumpsuit um you're on the next train it leaves in half an hour and here's your contact <laughs> off, off you go yeah you're hired on the spot yeah well they're desperate for a war correspondence and if a young strapping lass wants to go and and write like who's really gonna stop mm. her the story begins here, really. Like, it mm. picks up its pace. We're, we're through the uh, the prologue, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this book is technically three parts. It has three parts, say. yeah. Yeah, so this was pretty much part one, act one, in a nutshell. This was Letters Through the Wardrobe. I think that, is that not the chapter title? Or is that the part title? Part one. Oh, ah, I see, I see. Okay, I love yeah. that. And then part two is news from afar. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. I understand now. So, Iris is going, is gone to Avalon Bluff. She also meets Athea, or Thea, Thea Atwood, who goes by Addie. Um, and their contact is Marisol um, in Avalon Bluff. She runs a B&B. She's to put them up. They have to help and write, but they get bored and food. They're the neutral positions in this war. So they're only there to report and obviously not become as involved as they should have been in the last act of the book, but whatever. Yes, they have badges on their jumpsuits that say that they are correspondent, so uh, theoretically they shouldn't be harmed. But Yeah, but who knows, the ruthlessness of Dacre would probably seem yeah unpredictable. They learn that, you know, the war is pretty closer than they imagined and it's a lot more brutal there's uh there's three different sirens that can go up in avalon bluff because there are hounds that come out at night there are uh, ethereals which are essentially wyverns um that come out during the day and they drop bombs um and then there's also just an alarm to evacuate so it all becomes very scary very fast all this time iris is riding to carver mm -hmm. and she says i'm by the way, I'm not in Oath anymore. I'm 600 kilometers from Oath. And he types back, 600 kilometers from Oath? 
And then, I know they're typing for a little bit or whatever, and then he says, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be able to write to you for a while because I'm leaving Oath, blah, blah, blah. Next minute, Roman Kit arrives, walking through the tall grass to Iris. Is it not at this point <laughs> that Obvious. you figure it out? <laughs> I think it like it was it was hinted at that she sort of maybe had an inkling that it was Roman. Yeah, but... I I don't know. It, it's too big of a coincidence. Lover boy stops typing and yet yeah. Roman arrives. Yeah. But I just want to go talk about, like, Dacre's creatures for a second as well. Oh, yes. I feel like it's so cool that we have the implementation of the, these fantasy beasts like wyverns mm. and they're, the only way they can really terrorise this town or they can terrorise the warscape is by dropping man-made bombs. And I yes. just also <laughs> love just the integration of human-made weapons as well, like just guns yeah. and all that stuff. Like, guns against mm. magic, it's like, what the fuck? And ultimately, yeah, Dacre is searching for Enver, and that's why he's trying is essentially conquering this whole area because yeah, he's just trying to find her because she bamboozled him. Yeah. And seemingly wants revenge. Yes. Which I don't know. Feels like a weak reason, Dacre, but anyway. Like let it go. But maybe it gets better. <laughs> and also, um, Carver slash Roman slash Kit. Yeah. Uh, helped Iris out by finding old myths that his grandmother had so mm. it could help with her article about, you know, why the war is the way it is and the history behind mm. it, or given the context. Yeah, I just love how, like, this book shows elements of, like, what's, what could happen in, in real life, like s- newspaper or media censorship, mm. like who's in control of what, etc. It, yeah, it's just excellent. So then Iris is battling these feelings of conflict because she's also kind of falling in love with Roman, but she's also falling in love with Carver. There is a uh, very enchanting moment uh, <laughs> where Atti and Iris are sitting on the roof of the B&B. Roman is typing and Iris assumes that he's typing an article and he asks, you know, what's another word for this? And she says, you know, divine and then enchanted and then another word or whatever. And then eventually there's a letter that he writes to her confessing his love um and it has these words in it and then that's when she figures out who it is yeah yeah oh so there's um they each get a chance to go to the front yep yep and iris volunteers to go and roman says you're not going if i'm not coming with you she so they go together and they're taking the letter where he has all these words and is admitting confessing his love to her and she's trying to read it by a candlelight essentially or lantern light every night in the trenches um and roman like throws stuff at her and she gets distracted because he he is thinking this is not the place for her to read <laughs> who yeah, i am <laughs> fair, fair enough yeah um, not the time or the place yes uh, marisol gay rights um yes. has a wife <laughs> which we love um and then i was very worried about bury your gaze <laughs> oh okay yeah, yeah. i was yes. just very sus about marisol because anytime her partner was her wife was brought up no, no, no. Oh, that too. Every time Iris was like, oh, my brother is fighting in the war. And then she would be like, for Enver. And then like, no other mm. person would kind of like clarify. Or every other character who says they've had someone in the war, they don't declare who they're fighting for. Mm. And so it was very, yeah, it was very sussy that Marisol, yeah, didn't reveal that. Or she, the way she reacted, it's like, I don't know, she had like a bit of a knee jerk reaction to when Iris said it. But that just could be because she said who. Forrest was fighting for out loud and that's you don't know who you can trust because of these Dacre uh, sympathizers and then yes I was also worried about Keegan as well yes yes Keegan Marisol's wife um so anyway they're in the trenches there's a big attack they both get injured Roman's leg gets severely injured it's very a la Peter in the first Hunger Games yes um lucky Roman didn't lose his leg it's fine um and then um while he's he is in the infirmary. Iris reads the rest of the letter, finds out who it is. She goes and is very angry at him. Fair. Doesn't want to talk to him. Yep. Goes back home. In, in two days, reconciles that I'm in love with him. Whatever. It's great. <laughs> Did you think any of that was a bit too quickly or too drawn out? I know it's... No, because it's in war. It's war times, Claire. <laughs> it's war. <laughs> you got to pack it up. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. actually did say something like that. Literally every time. day could be your last day, so I get it. <laughs> and I'm sure this could be, and I reckon, I reckon, I assume that this is a big 
uh, qualm for a lot of people is that they are very young and that their love story is very rushed, but it is war times. <laughs> but then that's where I would politely argue that the letters are the tool to exactly to navigate. Essentially, that. they have been talking yeah for months before this. Yeah, and yeah, and I don't even recall what the timeline is. Whether it's like yeah, a couple months, but yeah. So whatever it is, while they're at the front, there is six months on top of that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's how long she had been riding, well, since Forrest enlisted. Oh, yep, that's right. That's right. Fair, fair, fair. Okay, it was also at this point where Iris is sort of asking around, I need to find out where my brother is. Um, And then she gets in contact with all these people who then get in contact with all these other people and saying, oh, his platoon, he got moved to a different platoon, blah, blah, blah. It is at this point that I messaged you. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I am scared that her brother is working for Dacre. Yes, it was very sussy because no one seemed to <laughs> yeah. know anything. And the fact that he wasn't writing back at all was already suspicious yeah. to me because he promised he'd write. But then again, Iris broke her promises by not staying in school. So Exactly. But, I mean, staying in school versus fighting for the villa. <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, just quickly, before we even move on from this, like, I liked yes. Hattie as a character as well. She was really cool. Oh, yeah. She was a, she was a, yep. She's a good friend to Iris. Yep. Do you think she deserves a love interest? Hattie? Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. I think. Hold um, on to your bonnets then. <laughs> Kenzie, no, shut up. I know you're like Sorry. 10 chapters in the second book. Oh. I'm more than that now. I'm in part two of the second oh, book. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Back to Iris and Roman? Sure. Okay. So uh, she figures it out, blah, blah. The next day she's in the garden or whatever. No, she's not. That's a lie. She goes to his room because he's back from the hospital and she asks Roman if he'd like to go for a little walkie-walk. Um, and he says yes. And then they're just chatting and talking about everything. And then he tries to get down on one knee and ask her to marry him. Yeah, yes, very lovely. Very, again, quick. But it is the war times, so we forgive. Yes. I know something happens, they don't do that. But anyway, the next day he asks her in the garden. Because there's this big theme around how Marisol uh, tries to keep the garden uh, intact and blooming and green and watered because Keegan used to do it. So that's her love language. And I think Marisol had never planted a garden in her life and that's mm. like a, a little joke that you know Marisol was able to maintain this while Keegan's been away. It's cute. It's fun. There's something really beautiful about uh, flowers and gardens blooming in adversity. So Yeah, absolutely. There's just there's, there's, there's routine, normality, there's hope, there's preciousness, yeah. there's love and care and all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then Keegan comes home. <laughs> yeah. We lo- Did you think she was she was going to make an appearance? Uh, no, I thought she would be dead. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or um, evil. It, yeah, dead or evil. One of the yeah. two. But yeah. not, not home, alive and well and seemingly good. Unfazed. Yeah. yeah. Unfazed. Yeah. yeah. Iris and Roman are engaged and iris is kind of like oh i want to get married but it's wartime and blah 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 and there's this very uh clandestine scene (laughs) i guess (laughs) um where she comes inside after gardening and she noticed that roman has showered and because oh yeah they have two days to evacuate or something or like the next day dacre's forces are going to come something like that anyway so she comes in and she knows that roman's house like roman have you showered and just it's kind of passed off um and then yep, marisol yep. says to addy oh why don't you go and help iris with that thing upstairs or whatever so they go up and addy's like oh you should have a shower and then addy does her hair i think puts flowers in her hair puts pearls in her hair and it's very beautiful and then she t- <laughs> she takes uh iris outside and it's going to be their wedding yeah yeah ever when addy was like uh let me your hair or something like that like that's what i knew obviously something beautiful was going to happen beautiful yeah yeah it was so cute love a wedding in a hurry and yeah the relationship completely warrants this because yeah wartime every day we live every day like it'll be a last they've already essentially fallen in love with each other over this period of time and i loved how roman was like oh i gotta ask atty for permission because you know she's become iris's closest friend and yeah. she's gonna ask and he's gotta ask marisol because she's essentially become like this yeah pseudo mother yes. in a way even though she's only 33 and there's the joke yeah. that she's um super old but she's giving off that old soul yeah. motherly vibe and so we love that respectful king so they're vows 
I pray that my days will be long at your side. Let me feel and satisfy every longing in your soul. May your hand be in mine by sun and by night. Let our breaths twine and our blood become one until our bones return to dust. Even then, may I find your soul still sworn to mine. <laughs> um, and then they have soup and bread for dinner, which like honestly goals. <laughs> um, and then oh, they um, it's, it's wartime cuisine. Yeah. What is it? They what's the words when you consummates? They consummate. They consummate. Thank you. They consummate their marriage. And there was I love that scene. The description was so beautiful because, and this is what I love about books like this, where love is innocent. And you know what? I'm over the cocks and I'm over the pussies, and I don't need it. <laughs> it doesn't fit. Yeah, <laughs> it won't fit. It won't fit. Um. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to find where it is. It wasn't over the top. It was tasteful, show, don't tell, tell, don't show, or whatever. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully innocent is the best way to describe it, as you said, Kenzie. Because, yeah, it, and it sets the tone or the precedent for this type oh, yeah. of book. Like, Just, yeah, blooming into something luminous as they fully came together, tangled in the sheets. That's all wonderful. I need. That is poetry. She felt safe with him, skin to skin. She felt full and complete. She felt the wholeness in the dark, this weaving together of vows and bodies and choice. Fucking beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rebecca Ross. Thank you. (laughs) This is refreshing. Yes, I loved that. All right. Everything is great. Everything is happy. We're having a great time. May I quickly just say something? Yes. No. Um, yes. I wonder if all the modern authors are kind of at war with each other to make the best like male to female love declaration with their sweet yeah. <laughs> fluffy words. First yeah. we get Zayden's and now we have this. Yeah. Like, who is next? The the great Anthony Bridgerton spiel as well. Yeah. Like you know And it is not far enough. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> the, these authors and writers are outdoing each yeah. other. I love to see it. Yeah. First prediction, I burn for you. <laughs> and um oh oh no 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 the the Queen Charlotte one. Oh, oh yes the TikTok that one. Yes. I love you <laughs> yeah. It's like something about the heaven and the stars, I will tell you where you are. Do yeah. you love me? <laughs> yes. I love you Yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, beautiful. All authors and writers are at war with each other. I love it. Yes. Anyway, uh, things are happy. Things are beautiful. Bodies are coming together. It's great. Happiness is fickle and happiness will always be taken away from us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the truth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can't have it too good for too long. Didn't even have time for round two. <laughs> oh, yeah. They wanted to go for round two in the morning, but they didn't have time. Oh, I thought... I didn't know that was it. I thought I just made a joke that they didn't have time for round two because it's wartime. No, it's actually, hang on, let me read Uh you the passage again. Oh, okay. All right, I believe you. If I could eat this book into my soul, I think I I would be healed in a lot of ways. If you could absorb it into your very being, the atoms that you possess... She drew him up to his feet, the blankets falling away from his waist. He was perfect, she thought, with a sharp inhale. Roman watched her study his body, his cheeks flushed, and when her gaze finally returned to his, he whispered, do we have time? I don't know, Kit. He nodded his disappointment, reaching for his jumpsuit. All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. I loved how she was very careful of his leg as well. Yes. Very conscious of that, because she doesn't want to hurt him. Yeah, (laughs) baby. (laughs) All right, so they're starting to evacuate... Yeah, final act, part three. Bullet holes and wounds. That's what I'm calling it, but it's not called that, but anyway. I'll tell you what it's called. <laughs> you may as well. You've been it's doing easy it when I have time. the book in front of me. Yeah, you don't have to fumble around. Part three, the words in between. <laughs> I suppose technically this includes the wedding, but still, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dacre so is coming! Dacre has arrived. Dacre is... Where is Forrest? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Also, so there's a moment that I don't know what they're doing, doing stuff, helping people evacuate or whatever. They come back in and they realise that the, there's some, like, a jumpsuit is missing, a couple of the go bags are missing. It appears as though, yeah, someone has broken in. It's an elusive boot print. It is at this point that I fucking knew it was Forrest. Yep, yep, <laughs> for sure. Anyway, so they're helping people evacuate and Iris and Addie and Roman uh, choose to stay behind and help even though they're not trained in any way, in any exactly. capacity. 
And you would think they'd be more of a hindrance. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 like when you question like war journalists or very or journalists in very deep political state countries and stuff. Like, are, are you just not in the way? Yeah. <laughs> or even like protest journalists. It's like yeah. war photographers. <laughs> war, war photographers. Like, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. But good good on them if they want to have that sense of heroism. Like, yeah. For you. But even in like the when they were in the trenches when they were visiting the f- the front line. Yeah. Like, they were in the way, like, their commanding officers were telling them to do X, Y, Z, you got to do this. But they're like, but that's, like, out of my scope of practice. It's like, no, we need all hands on deck. So, yeah. Yeah. So they're really traumatic from that experience as well, I guess. And now this is the same thing is happening. Yeah, they're running away because, like, the attack has begun or whatever. Um, and Iris spots an injured soldier and she wants to go and help him. And then but there's this big theme of Roman, like, do not let go of my hand. I want your hand in mine forever, blah, blah, blah. She lets go of his hand. Hoi boy. Hoi boy. So I knew something was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes to go and help the soldier. And then a, a, a wyvern drops a silver canister, which she assumes is going to be a bomb. Um, but it exudes... Ex- expels, sorry, uh, this green gas um, and she can't breathe, she's choking, she's trying to get to Roman, she's calling out kids and then someone with dark hair grabs her, they're wearing a gas mask, they give her a gas mask and they're like, come this way, she thinks it's Roman. They're also in a jumpsuit. That's They're also in a jumpsuit, because... oh yeah, they're in a jumpsuit, so she thinks it's Roman. And she says, you know, oh, his voice sounds weird, but it must have just be muffled from the gas mask or whatever. And she's um, being taken away. When did away. he get a gas mask, she thought. Yeah. And she, shouldn't we give these to the soldiers? Like, we should help them instead of just running away. No, we have to go, Iris. Iris, come with me. Blah, blah, blah. Important to note that Kit does not call her Iris. Anyway, and they're getting through the grass. And she looks behind. She uh, sees that someone's running after her. And she realizes that someone running after her is Roman. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Who is this fella so dragging me along?" Who is this guy? Uh, is revealed to be a forest. We all knew. We've been. We new, all knew. We've been good. New. It's all right. It's not meant to be like one of those jump scare situations. It's like it's wonderfully built up, and it's okay if you thought that way. And she's like, "No, we have to help Roman because he's struggling on his leg." Uh, it's like crawling after her. Falling, <laughs> crawling, crawling, to the and crawling. Yeah. I love that. Oh, the yeah. struggle is real. I love me a weak man. I love me an. In- <laughs> I love an injured trope. <laughs> <laughs> an injured traumatized boy weak That's man <laughs> let the patriarchy suffer bring back the weak kings yeah <laughs> bring back the death the sickly victorian child dying of the plague <laughs> <laughs> but as our morally grave yeah. male love interest yeah. <laughs> give me timothy chalamet <laughs> if he's not Crawling dying by tuberculosis <laughs> i don't want it <laughs> have you watched um songbirds and snakes yet no okay there's a funny tuberculosis joke in there anyway it's okay you can, um, you can say it <laughs> no no you have to watch it. it's a visual element could you could you just not reenact it for me right now i'll, I'll tell you afterwards <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no spoilers <laughs> so it's forest they've had to leave roman behind it's a it's like that tension struggle of like is or is iris gonna get to roman or is roman gonna get to iris mm. clearly mm. not no no they're not they get away a little bit and she's like, we have to go back. We have to see if he's still there, blah, blah. So they go back and the spot, she like realizes that he must have been crawling after her. And the spot where he was, um, there's like a circle around that spot, like a crop circle. And obviously Iris is devastated because she's assuming that he's kind of dead almost. Uh, so they go back to Oath, <laughs> her and Forrest. Forrest just like yeah. living his life, mm. a deserter. Yeah. And he used to work at like a herbologist's. Yeah, or something yeah. anyway Horo- and horologist horologist yeah iris is like oh are you gonna go get your job back then he's like no because i don't want the questions about like why i left the war and i was thinking yeah anywhere you go though wouldn't you be asked like you're a deserter yeah yeah for sure and this is where he reveals his situation and uh, what oh, yeah, and on the him. road yeah they he she, he starts bleeding from like injuries on his chest and he, there's like an injury on his chest and like his kidneys and like somewhere else on his torso three main wounds and iris realizes that these he should be dead like, these are fatal wounds um and he says you know he should be dead like his whole platoon is dead 
so yeah, what happened was he was a, their platoon was attacked, which as per one of the OG correspondence that Iris received, mm. um, assuming that was the case, and it turned out Dacre had overran that area and he came across Forrest and he decided to make a deal, essentially. Mm. Dacre will heal him so long as Forrest fights for him to the end of his days. And so obviously Fire- Forrest took that deal and... Who knows now what the like magical consequence of that is since yeah. he is deserted. Does that mean like yeah, is there a link? Is, is Dacre able yeah. Is that why his wound started bleeding again? Yeah, like... yeah. Is he able is Dacre allow, able to retract that sort of magic? Yeah, Dacre ultimately keeping him alive. Interesting questions. Have you come across any of that in the second book yet, Kenzie? Uh Yes and no. Is Forrest slowly dying? <laughs> No, I've come across some things, but I don't think... I think it's a proximity thing, but I don't think it's a death proximity thing. It's a different proximity thing. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Interesting. Sometimes I also need little um, tidbits to get my ass into gear. <laughs> I appreciate that, though, okay. Kenzie. Okay. Um, and then... That, so that pretty much sums up the book. And then there's, like, a an epilogue, which is from Dacre's point of view. Yes. I just want to read... Sorry, the last, because... They go back to the apartment or whatever, and this actually broke me so hard. So obviously, <laughs> okay. Iris like left in a rush, and then so when she gets back home, she like goes back into her room. Slowly, she took in her old room. The blankets on her bed were wrinkled. Books were strewn over her desk, which was draped with a with gossamer. Her wa- wardrobe door was open, revealing a glimpse of the clothes she had left behind. And there on the floor was a piece of paper. Iris froze, staring at it. She had left it there, untouched. She had chosen not to read it months ago, fearing Carver would alter the course she was determined to take. She walked to the folded paper. She bent down and picked it up from the floor, carrying it to her bed. She set the candle aside, the light flickering around her. Iris stared at the paper, nearly holding it over the flame to burn. She didn't know if she was strong enough to open it. She worried it would break the last of her to read his words now. In the end, she couldn't resist. The paper unfolded like wings in her hand. His words met her like a blade. She bowed over them. Iris, Iris, it's me, Kit. (laughs) (laughs) And she busted out crying. (laughs) I did, I did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then leading off from that Dacre point of view... Dacre found Roman and he's like, you know what? Having a war correspondent yeah. might also, be a bit fun. Also, there's a very interesting moment because he said, he's like, oh, this mortal has one minute and 31 seconds until he oh, dies yeah. or whatever. Like, he could tell the times so he's like, I'm going to shave him. And so, yeah, it's revealed that he was taken below and that's what the ring was around him. Yeah. Yeah. Again, having a war correspondent will be interesting. I love that aspect of Dacre because, yeah, coming from. A line of healing like he's obviously able to determine he's like like a death god in a way as well yeah with that healing element yeah do you think there are any consequences to the healing i don't know <laughs> <laughs> although i have not started reading the second book i do know that the first chapter in the second book is an enver point of view so now we're gonna get, have a full overall look at what the these two gods are thinking and feeling I also loved the quick history on the other f- four, three gods as well, because these are the five main gods that were overrun by the humans. And um, obviously, Enver and Dacre have arisen for whatever reasons and yeah. obviously are at war with each other, blah, blah, blah. And I liked yeah. how their days of the week, which is essentially five days, is named after these five gods as well. Yeah, yeah, because there was one that was like the eve of Enver Day. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was so cool, those fun elements. And um, as the gods were imprisoned, I like how it explained all the enchanted magic and enchanted artifacts and enchanted buildings. Like, that that's caused just by the gods being imprisoned and the magic just seeping because it just needs something to do. So yeah. why not enchant something? Yeah, oh, yeah, there was... um. Sorry, little tidbits. There was um like a cafe and you would order a pot of tea or whatever and the pot of tea would never go cold because, yeah, it was like infused by a magic yeah. ley line. Yeah, and um, I think there was a, a just a grocery store which was enchanted to see the items that you can afford. Mm. And Roman's house was entirely enchanted, but it would listen to his almost commands. Yeah. Like he'd ask a lamp to turn on and the lamp would turn on. Or the house was more of a comfort to him, like they would bow to his whim. Yeah. In a, in a respectful manner, not that he is demanding or commanding. It's because I want to do it. Want it wants to work for him. But yeah, no, oh yeah, I love this book. Jesus, it's great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> can't wait to start the second one. I have a confession, Kenzie. Oh uh, yes. Uh, when you were messaging me all those things about being excited 
and being like f- about Forrest and I was, you know, playing along with you. I had yeah. only read 20% at that point. Oh my God. <laughs> when I was like, is there smart in this book as well? I thought you were way ahead of me. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is because, again, because when I give you leeway, you take the leeway. <laughs> no, I take it and I, I don't know why. I'm yeah. just, I am the way I am, whatever. Yes. And then I, then I finished reading it that night, essentially. I stayed up to like 1am. Because I'm going to be like, what's Kenzie on about? <laughs> oh my but God. now you're just now you're just flying through the second book. Yes. Is, yeah. No, I just loved having that power, even though it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. You All played right. it well. You played it well. Good, good, good. It's very easy in Messenger. In real life, I'd be fidgety. Like, yeah. I could probably tell. I'd probably be like, Kenzie, I'm not even up to that point yet. I was going to be a smartass and be like, you have inadvertently spoiled me. <laughs> but no, no, nah, it's all good. It's all good. Shall we go to the stars that listen? We shall go to the stars that listen. Perfect. So the stars that listen is just a little segment where we read a one star and a five star review from Goodreads. Just for some shits and gigs, we start off with the one star because the five stars are normally popping and they're full of positivity. Yes, I have arguments as well. So I have a few. Yeah. <laughs> one star and five stars because they're funny. Yeah. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, I'll start. I'll start. Oh, sorry. sorry. It's okay. <laughs> There's one screenshot that has two. Okay. So... My first one-star review is Betrayed by BookTok once again. <laughs> Little harsh. And then within the same screenshot, War, non-existent. Gods, non-existent. Character depth, non-existent. World building, non-existent. Romance, yikes. Dialogue, bigger yikes. Seriously question if I read the same book. This is probably the per- the people, though, who read Haunting of Adeline and think it's the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sure. And um, and another one star review. She writes letters like I did when I was heartbroken at thirteen <laughs> over my Minecraft <laughs> boyfriend. <laughs> that's all that. It's <laughs> so funny because it's stupid, and then that's it. I have world building question mark. Don't know her. Here's my argument. Okay. I don't give a shit about the world building. I know enough. I know that there's Oath. I know that there's Avalon Bluff. I know there's a couple other little villages going on. I know that there's gods, right? That's fine. I don't want to get slogged down in the details. I want the story. I want a pace for me, to, like fast enough for me to pay attention, but slow enough to give me the details that I need. Let me not get bogged down by having to read five chapters in a book by someone named Jera K. Slass. <laughs> Kenzie. <laughs> Which I still love those books anyway, but let me not get slogged down in that with the world building. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah. We know um, the gods are all buried north, east, south, west. They all have a day named after him. Like, exactly. There's easy. magic. Exactly. I also have, nah, I'm done. You all lied to me. <laughs> and then <laughs> okay. they get married the second they learn each other's middle names. There is also another one that I saw, and I need to quickly do a fact check before I argue, because I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Kenzie, wrong? Never. <laughs> False. In Kenzie, I trust false yeah false okay so someone goes um in one sentence they're talking about typewriters and then in the other one he says he likes summer because that's when baseball comes back all right let us believe we're in the assumption that this is taking place in 1915 ish 1914 whatever okay baseball was invented in 1839 so you can suck my ass I love that. See, that's. I was also Googling before I started, like, what era, like, typewriters were and, yeah. like, steam trams and stuff because it was giving 1930s. But then yeah. if they're saying war, then – but I suppose it could just be a First World War of sorts in yeah. this, like, alternate yeah. universe. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be a complete allegory of World War One, even though the gas and the trenches itself gives that gives off that. Yeah, yeah. All right, go to your fives. <laughs> All right, I have a few five stars as well. Alexa, play The Great War by Taylor Swift. Yes. Loved it. Another five star. Did I finish the book or did the book finish me? Oh my god, I had that. I had, <laughs> I had that twice. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and then um, another five star was, I just fell to my fucking knees and I'm not getting up anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, those were my five stars as well. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, in the screenshot, it, there's like a half a review. One of the sentences like, there is a war between gods going on in the, this 1930s London, maybe urban fantasy setting. And that's the best way to describe it, I would yeah. say. Yeah. The era. Yeah. Regardless of the war. Yeah. 
war happened in 1930s as well. I'm sure trenches were also still used. And anyway. gas, of course. Anyway, what a bloody brilliant book. Two in a row for 2024. <laughs> we're winning. Don't know what we are striving for, but we're winning. I'm striving for not as many DNFs this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good goal. Yeah, yeah not as many that. qualms. <laughs> I mean, qualms are natural because, like, it could just be really a you thing and, like, Oh, as soon as a book uses the word cockapussy, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you better not read Ho Fast then. Yeah. (laughs) Because no doubt it's going to be full of cock and pussy. Uh, Yeah, full disclosure, this will come out after, well, like, around that same time, won't it? Anyway, um, there has been a Ho Fast leak, everybody, and I have seen some things. Nothing, I've only seen... Like snippets of the start. I haven't seen anything about the end, so. Yeah, yeah. We'll address that perhaps in part with Josef. Anyway, thank you all for listening once again. Join us next week for Ruthless Vows. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said it. Yep. <laughs> That's locked in. <laughs> it's locked in. I think we are scru- we're just fucking off fit and fit February. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, yeah. Because I would have assumed, assumed after, but we can go straight to the second one. Uh, join us next week for something else. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do Ruthless Vows. We have to do Fanfic February. That's fun. (laughs) It'll be fine. Right. Thanks for listening. Check us out on the socials. Instagram, TikTok, links in the bio to find us in all the listening places. Yeah, catch us next week for Ruthless Vows or after, whichever we decide. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And hope everyone enjoyed this book. Like, comment, subscribe on, on the socials. Yes. We'd like to hear your thoughts and opinions. DM us if you wish. I promise I won't fight you in real life. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You can you can give a valid one star review, and she will just be she'll just be twitching and fidgeting yeah. the whole day, but she'll be fine. Yeah, she'll swallow her pride. Exactly. No, but yeah, honestly, it is so funny how we get defensive over the one stars of the books that we like, but th- with the books that we hate, we're like, we agree. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah, this was shit. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to what Ruthless Vows has to offer, and then there's a third one as well. I think it's a duology. I swear we saw. In the January articles or book releases for this year, there Bro. is a third one. Sunday I know Times it said duology. I know it said duology. I know it said duology. duology. <laughs> I swear to God, there's a third one, though. I'll I Google swear it. to God. I'll Google it quickly. If I'm wrong, you can shove that false mug in my face. <laughs> Two books. <sighs> okay. Then there must be another Rebecca Ross book being released yeah, next year. Yeah, I swear. Okay. All right. Yeah, I may heaps. have gotten a little mixed up. I apologize. How dare you? You need to tell me that word that I get really butt hurt by. You fool! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it hurts. It cuts deep. I think idiot is more than you idiot. <laughs> I like saying moron. You fucking moron. All right. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Bye bye. Bye.